Good morning and welcome to our worship service this morning at EP Church. I'm Nathan Boyette, pastor of Outreach and Mission. Thanks for tuning in on our online worship service. We hope and pray that the days of us doing this through virtual means is fast approaching an end. I'm Nathan Boyette, pastor of Outreach and Mission, and we are taking our final look at the book of Ruth before next week moving on to the book of Jonah. Please turn in your Bibles or on your devices to Ruth chapter 3, where we're going to read verses 1 through 13, and then we're going to jump down to chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Ruth is a narrative, but the Old Testament narratives are never just historical stories. God used the real historical stories of his word to teach both Israel and us how to live. I've always thought of the book of Ruth as the Old Testament version of the Good Samaritan. God's answer to the question, how we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and who is our neighbor. Two themes are present in the book of Ruth, the sovereignty of God in ordinary life, and the answer of how we are to live out God's loving kindness towards those around us. Let's read in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Then jumping down to chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you use it to teach us, how you use it to challenge and comfort us. We pray that all of that would happen right now as we study your word and as we seek to know better what it is you would have us do and how you would have us live. Please comfort us and encourage us as well through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The year 2020 has hit us all by surprise. So much has happened that we would have never foreseen. And as a result of the global pandemic, protests around our country, our society being shut down for three months and counting, people have used the phrase unprecedented times, uncharted waters, innumerable times, so that this phrase has become trite, commonplace. We're tired of hearing these words. Everything about our recent times, around our world, around our country, here in Annapolis, and even here in our local church, highlight the insecurity that we live in. We always have uncertainty and insecurity. It's a human reality in a broken world where we are not in control. We long for and desire control. We want to have security. People seek security in so many things, a good education, a fat bank account, retirement savings, a successful job position, children that behave, children that are successful, and so much more. But none of these things can provide true, lasting security in this broken, fallen world. As we turn to finish our series in the book of Ruth, we see that Naomi and Ruth are still in a desperate situation. Last week, Harrison highlighted how Boaz's extravagant generosity had provided for Ruth and Naomi. He had allowed Ruth to glean in his field, even telling his hired hands to take extra gleanings out and leave them for Ruth. And finally, he had poured out 40 pounds of barley for her to take home to her mother-in-law. But even this extravagant kindness could not provide long-term stability and security for Naomi and Ruth. And so Naomi had come back to Bethlehem empty, and despite Boaz's provision, she and Ruth are still facing long-term emptiness. An elderly widow and a foreign widow in the land of Israel in a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Naomi knows that this is a desperate situation still, and so in verse one, we see how she says to Ruth, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? The word rest here literally means resting place. Commentator Daryl Block explains that this word speaks of the tranquility, peace, satisfaction, and security that a woman of Israel longed for and expected to find in the house of a loving husband. Naomi wanted to provide security in a loving household for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Naomi's words highlight a reality that we all face in this fallen world, our great need for security. Sin and brokenness of God's good creation cause insecurity and a weariness in us. The question that confronted Naomi and Ruth is a question that confronts us every day. In a broken and weary world, where do we find security? In a broken and weary world, where do we find security? Throughout the book of Ruth, the theme that the Lord is a sovereign, good God, who will provide for those who look to him, is on display. In chapter 1, verse 6, the Lord visited his people and provided relief from the famine. In chapter 1, 8 to 9, Naomi asked that the Lord would deal kindly with her daughter-in-laws. In chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz blesses Ruth, asking that the Lord would reward her for her kindness to Naomi. And in chapter 2, verse 20, Naomi asked that the Lord would bless Boaz for his kind generosity to Ruth. And in chapter 3, verse 10, Boaz asks again that the Lord bless Ruth for her kindness to Naomi. In chapter 4, verse 11, the people praise the Lord, asking that he make Ruth like the matriarchs of Israel. And in chapter 4, verse 13, the Lord is with Boaz and Ruth, giving them a son. And so we see that Ruth very clearly answers the question of where do we find security with the answer that the Lord God is an abundant, loving Father 
so we should trust in him. The Lord God is an abundant, loving father, so we should trust in him. We look to him in trust and hope, and then we find security. And we're going to explore that today as we walk through this passage, and we see that Naomi first comes up with a daring plan, and then Ruth takes that plan and alters it to an audacious proposal. Boaz boldly responds, and finally, over it all, is the Lord of kindness. So first, Naomi's daring plan. Since chapter one, Naomi, Naomi has been somewhat passive. Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem, but it has been Ruth who is active, going to the fields, gleaning, figuring out what they're going to do. But here in verse one, we see Naomi initiating, becoming active. What has changed? Events of chapter two began to give Naomi hope. Hearing the news of Boaz's kindness, she said to Ruth, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And in verse two of chapter three, she echoes that again. She says, is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? You see, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, and a kinsman redeemer was a term taken from the realm of Israelite family law. It describes near relatives who had certain duties towards the greater clan. First, kinsman redeemers were to re repurchase land sold by near relatives who had, uh, had become poor and had to sell their land. Land was very important in Israel because it provided long-term stability and security for people. Second, a kinsman redeemer was to redeem relatives whose poverty had forced them to sell themselves into slavery. And finally, third, a kinsman redeemer often had a further obligation to marry widows of relatives and provide for them. Boaz was one of these potential kinsman redeemers. The continued kindness Boaz showed to Ruth gave Naomi hope and caused her to begin to propose a daring plan. You see, Boaz was a potential kinsman redeemer. And so Naomi continues to Ruth, see, Boaz is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. In ancient Israel, the time of threshing was a joyous occasion accompanied by celebration and feasting. The men would often work hard through the day and into the night. And then afterwards, they would celebrate and have a feast. And Boaz was planning to sleep at the threshing floor to protect his barley from thieves. And so in verse three to four, Naomi encourages Ruth to clean herself up, anoint herself with perfume, put on her best clothes, and then go to the threshing floor where Boaz is sleeping. She tells her to uncover Boaz's feet and then lie down near him and wait for what Boaz will tell her to do. In ancient Palestine, among both Israelites and Canaanites, there was unfortunately the practice of prostitutes going to the threshing floor and seducing men during this time. So what is, what is Naomi doing here? Is she telling Ruth to go and seduce Boaz? The Hebrew audience who heard this original story would have understood the potentially scandalous risk of Naomi's plan. However, Naomi knew Boaz's character and the very precision with which Naomi instructs Ruth and the way Boaz acts as a result indicates that Naomi was not telling Ruth to seduce Boaz. Rather, Naomi was hoping that Boaz would marry Ruth. Facing the lack of security for her beloved daughter-in-law, Naomi strategizes and plans to provide a place of rest for Ruth. She had cried out earlier in chapter 1, 8, and 9 to the Lord. She had prayed that the Lord would deal kindly with Ruth and Orpah, providing them with places of rest and security in new households with new husbands. We see here that Naomi, through her planning, begins to carry out what she asked of the Lord. Commentator Richard Hubbard notes that in response 
to a providentially given opportunity, Naomi began to answer her own prayer. He further goes on that believers are not to wait passively for events to happen. Rather, they must seize the initiative when an opportunity presents itself. They are to pray and act, trusting that the Lord will answer prayer through the actions of his people. This is illustrated in the life of Corrie ten Boom, a woman living in the Netherlands during the 20th century, during World War II. Corrie ten Boom's life is talked about in The Hiding Place. Corrie and her family provided for many Jewish refugees. They hid them in a secret room from the Nazi Gestapo who were trying to capture and deport these Jewish refugees. Corey and her family had to provide for hundreds of people. They had to get food ration cards and provide for them. They hid them secretly in their room when the Nazi Gestapo would come and raid their home, and they would connect them with escape from the country to neighboring countries. Corey Ten Boom and her family saw this desperate situation of their neighbors, the need around them, and they didn't just see and pray. They saw, they prayed, and they acted. We are to pray actively for our good Heavenly Father to act in ours and others' lives. But we are also to act because he wants to work through us. God delights to use his people to do his work. In the book of Ephesians chapter two, Paul talks about how we have been made children of the living God. We have been brought from darkness into light and he concludes in verse 10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants to use us, and he has given us guidance on how to live in his word. Let us read his word, thinking through how it speaks to our everyday situations and life. Then let us pray about them, and as we do this, let us act. Let us work to do the things that God wants us to do, and the Lord will work through us. As we live in an uncertain world, longing for security, we begin to find it as we pray to the Lord for our needs. And as we pray, we begin to act in a manner pleasing to him. And we know that he will use us and work through us. So Ruth does as her mother-in-law says. She goes to the threshing floor at night. She waits for Boaz to go and lie down and go to sleep. And after he does that, she lays down at his feet and uncovers his feet. In verse 8 to 9, we read that hours later, Boaz is startled awake. Maybe his feet have become cold and he's woken up. He realizes that there is a woman lying at his feet, and he says, who are you? Ruth answers, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth's sentence here is striking in a number of ways. First, she deviates from Naomi's instructions. Naomi said to do what Boaz says. Naomi answers who she is, but she commands Boaz to do something. Her first request, her first command is that he spread his wings over his servant. Some translations say, spread the corner of your garment over me. Ruth uses an idiom here that basically is asking that he marry her. This can be seen in a marriage custom that is still practiced in some places in the Middle East where a man would spread his garment over a woman during the marriage ceremony. However, there is more going on here. In the original language, this is a play on words. The word corner of garment and wings sound the same. Ruth is referring back to Boaz's words in chapter two, where he said, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth is asking Boaz to answer his own prayer. 
She asked him to be the instrument by which the Lord provides the refuge and security that he blessed her with. She says that Boaz is a redeemer. Ruth reminds him of his potential family obligations to Naomi. If you go and read the rest of Ruth, you will see that there are other closer redeemers. So Boaz was merely one possible kinsman redeemer. In this reminder, we see that Ruth is not merely seeking her own security, but also Naomi's security. Boaz was not a kinsman redeemer to Ruth. She was a foreign Moabite with no rights, no expectations, but Naomi was kin of Boaz. In effect, Ruth has proposed marriage to Boaz here. This was Naomi's daring plan all along, but Ruth added the twist of including Naomi by mentioning that Boaz was a redeemer. Just as we earlier saw Naomi wanting to provide for Ruth, we see the reverse is true here. Ruth cared for her mother-in-law and did not want to see her neglected or forgotten. Here we see the beautiful picture of a redeemed humanity, a humanity that is not selfish or conceited, but is focused on loving one another. This is what humanity was created for. This is what we lost in the fall. This is what we were saved for and are being restored to in Jesus Christ a loving, harmonious community focused on others' needs. In in the movie Frozen, Anna and Elsa, the two main characters, lose their parents. And as a result of the loss of their parents, as well as Elsa being scared by her curse gift of magic, Elsa cuts off all contact with the outside world. She cuts off the castle, (coughs) and as a result of this isolation, both Anna and Elsa develop really strange quirks. Elsa is completely scared of interaction with other people, and Anna, on the opposite extreme, is blindly trusting of anybody who shows her a little affection. All of this creates huge problems for both Anna and Elsa, but the conclusion, the resolution comes when Elsa realizes her need for relationship and community as she sees the love that her sister has for her. Elsa and Anna desperately needed relationships and the avoidance of them caused huge problems. We, humanity, were made for relationships. With God the Father, with one another, sin has broken and wrecked those relationships so that we are no longer living in unity, peace, and love. But in Christ, we've been redeemed and restored to the type of relationships we were created for. If you were like me, then you might be thinking, okay, Nathan, yeah, I totally get that, I agree but I feel so far from that. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be when I see God's word? We get there through gospel repentance, through gospel transformation. We believe the gospel dance. We confess and repent of our sins, acknowledging that is wrong. We turn from it by believing in the truth of the gospel that I have been saved by Jesus Christ and am being restored by his grace. And then we walk by the power of spirit. And this isn't just one thing time. This is day by day, again and again. As we live in an uncertain and insecure world, we need one another. We need gospel community, where we repent and ask forgiveness of one another, where we extend grace and forgiveness to one another, and where we challenge and hold each other accountable when we see each other doing wrong. This type of community is something that we should seek. We should cultivate this community. What does it look like? Cultivating this gospel community is not easy work. It's difficult. Humanity is divided. We are divided by good things. We are divided by different cultures, languages, different skin tones, different facial features, different gender, different positions in society. 
All of this diversity brings glory to our God. But sin has divided us so that even those good differences are co-opted by sin to be a reason for contentious division. Cultivating a Christian community that seeks unity, peace, and mutual love requires a humility to give up our rights, to give up our desires, to give up our preferences for the benefit of others. We have to give these up so as to serve others. As Ruth and Naomi come to Boaz with a daring plan and an audacious proposal, we see Boaz's beautiful response. In verse 10, he answers Ruth, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz praises Ruth, asking that the Lord bless her. He further praises her for two kindnesses. Ruth's first kindness was her loving loyalty to Naomi, leaving her people to follow the Lord God and follow Naomi to Israel, taking the risky venture of going to a foreign land as a widow. Ruth's second kindness was the kindness of looking out for Naomi, seeking marriage to a redeemer who would provide not only for Ruth, but also for Naomi. Boaz acknowledges that she could have gone after other younger men who were not a redeemer to Naomi. Boaz views it as a kindness for Ruth to claim him as a redeemer, a kindness like God's character of loving kindness. This claim by Ruth puts an additional obligation on him to be even more merciful and abundant to Naomi and Ruth. But Boaz is thankful for an opportunity to serve as the means by which God provides for these two widows. Boaz delights to be the vessel of God's loving kindness. In verses 11 to 13, we see that Boaz says he will do as she asks. He praises her for being a worthy woman, and he explains that he will be a redeemer to Ruth and Naomi. However, he mentions that there is another closer redeemer who must be consulted first, and he promises that by the Lord he will do something. Because there was another redeemer, Boaz could have chosen not to act as God's instrument to bring relief, security, kindness to Naomi and Ruth. He could have opted out he could have taken the easy way out and said, that's that man's obligation, not mine. In the course of ordinary life, Boaz is confronted with a widowed relative in desperate need. He shows extravagant kindness, responding, responding to Ruth's request with a promise to act as the means of the Lord's refuge, rest, and kindness. Boaz had prayed earlier that the Lord would repay Ruth for all she had done for Naomi that a full reward would be given her by the Lord under whose wings she had come to take refuge. The Lord answers that prayer by calling Boaz to be those wings of refuge. Boaz delighted to be the means by which the Lord extended loving kindness and redemption to Naomi and Ruth. All of Israel was called to imitate the Lord. An echo in many of the books of the law in the Old Testament is to be holy as I am holy. This echo called God's people to imitate him. God delights to treat his creation with kindness and love. God's people and us, we are to delight in treating others with kindness and love. As many of you know, I have three children, and one of the things I delighted in when they were growing up was to watch them grow from babies into young children, to see as they imitated me. I would love to sit there holding them, and as I stuck out my tongue, they would stick out their tongue. As I would raise my hand, they would raise their hand. Young children, young babies, watch us, imitate us, closely study us, and that's how they learn to speak, 
That's how they learn to walk. That's how they learn to do so many things. Like a small baby imitates their parents, we also are called to imitate our Heavenly Father. Boaz delighted to extend kindness and security to Ruth and Naomi. He viewed it as a gift. Do we view opportunities to imitate God's character as a gift? I often don't. Too often, I view it as an imposition and a burden, as something I don't want to do, because it's difficult. It's difficult for me to be like God, but I'm called to do it, and I can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2, Paul, writing to the Philippians, says to be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul goes on to call them to imitate Christ, who lived like this. He calls us to imitate Christ in our action to others. Imitation takes effort, close study of God's word, of God's character revealed in the Bible. And then it takes prayerful reliance on the spirit, not just one time, not just on Sunday mornings, but day by day reliance. If we are constantly filling our minds with things contrary to God's will and God's word, then is it any wonder that we do not imitate him? If we're constantly filling our minds with things contrary to his way of living, of course we won't imitate him. Let us constantly fill our minds with his word and prayer. As we live in an insecure world, an uncertain world, we find rest and security as we imitate our Lord by loving others and living in loving kindness. And also, God uses us to give comfort and security to others. Finally, over all of this, we see that the Lord of kindness reigns and is working. The next morning, Boaz sends Ruth back to Naomi with a cloak overflowing with grain. Again, he shows extravagant kindness. Naomi makes the observation that he will not rest until the matter of who will be the kinsman redeemer is resolved. And that's exactly what happens. Boaz goes to the city gate and interacts with the other relative about Naomi and Ruth. The other relative chooses not to be a kinsman redeemer, and Boaz says, I will do it. Picking up in four, chapter 4, verse 13, we see that Boaz takes Ruth to become his wife. And so many, as so many married couples do, they have a child, a son. The women of the village beautifully praise the Lord to Naomi, saying, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, has more, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. We started our sermon series on Ruth three weeks ago, where we saw three widows that were bitter and broken, in desperate need of comfort. And we finally see here, at the end of the book of Ruth, the culmination of how the Lord has been bringing comfort. We see how he's brought rest and kindness to these two widows. The women of the village hint at the way the Lord has brought this relief. First, they talk about how the Lord has provided a redeemer, Boaz, who redeemed Naomi and married Ruth, and has committed to providing for them. Second, the Lord provided a child who will continue their family line and provide for Naomi. And finally, ultimately, the Lord provided a daughter-in-law who loves her. Back in chapter one, when Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem, Naomi had bitterly said that she had come back empty, but that was not entirely true. She had come back with Ruth, and here 
the women of the village acknowledge that. They say, the daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better than seven sons? God had been providing for Naomi all along in a daughter-in-law who loved her like God loved her. Over, under, and around all of this is the Lord's sovereign hand. We've touched on it throughout the sermon today, but through Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz's action, actions, the Lord has been operating to bring kindness and security to Naomi and to Ruth. In verses 16 to 17, we see Naomi takes the child and becomes his nurse. We then read how the child was named Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the greatest king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. Hebrew names often have significant meaning. Obed means one who serves. The name Obadiah is similar. It means servant of Yahweh. But in telling of Ruth and Boaz's son's name, the narrator is intentionally ambiguous. Is Obed one who serves Naomi, or is he one who serves the Lord? The answer is yes. Obed serves Naomi by being the child who takes away her emptiness, her destitution, her bitter brokenness. Yet all of this is by the hand of the Lord. All of this is by his goodness. Back in chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, Naomi had cried out bitterly, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord God is a God who delights to bring relief to those who are bitter and empty. He did not create this world to be broken by sin. It grieves him that we are going through suffering and trials. He does not want us to experience bitterness and brokenness. He wants us to have comfort. He wants us to have goodness. In the book of Ruth, we see him operate behind the scenes to bring relief, security, to Ruth and Naomi. We may not encounter the same desperate situation that Ruth and Naomi do, but we will encounter trying, difficult times in this broken world. We need to look to the Lord God, who is abundant in goodness and love. He wants to extend kindness to us and grace to each one of us. He wants us to trust in him, and we should, because his word is abundantly clear that he is worthy of our trust. This same message that's in Ruth is written across the entire Bible. The grand story of scripture shows us that God is worthy of our trust because he is an abundantly loving father. This is ultimately fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ, he who became empty so that we might be full, he who took on the bitter cross so that we might be granted life. As we live in this broken world with insecurity all around us, we should trust in the Lord and his kindness. We should ultimately trust in the Lord Jesus who has brought security to each one of us if we believe. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are the Lord of kindness, that you are the one to whom we can look in the midst of uncertainty, insecurity, anxiety, and fear. You are one who wants us to experience your goodness, your love, your kindness. You do not want us to experience the bitterness and brokenness of this world. Help us to turn to you in trust, and as a result, help us to turn to others in kindness, developing a community that glorifies you by truly caring for one another. We pray, Father God, that EP, our church, might become that place where other people who are in desperate straits in difficult times might find comfort through their brothers and sisters. We thank you that though the world is broken by sin, you did not turn your back, but you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, 
to take on the bitter cross so that we might have the fullness of life. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.